So what happens if the carers stopped caring? Or we lost the humanity from healthcare? It's a scary thing to think about, and it's not a place we want to be. Pre-COVID, we already had a systemic issue of worker burnout and stress amongst healthcare workers. But layer on top of that, a pandemic compounded it many times over. Then coming out this side of it, we've got some serious rebuilding to do to help support those superheroes on the front line every day around the world. So how can technology help improve those critical processes that place so much of a burden on cognitive load of clinicians on a day-to-day? And if we're implementing technology, how do we not only maintain but improve the element of humanity in its application to healthcare? My guest today is Dr. Bridget Duffy, the Chief Medical Officer for Vocera Communications. We're going to take a bit of a deep dive into protecting the physical safety and emotional well-being of the healthcare workforce. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Dr. Bridget Duffy. She's the Chief Medical Officer of Vocera Communications, a leader in clinical communications and workflow solutions. For more than 15 years, Dr. Duffy has been on a mission to restore humanity to healthcare through improved communication and collaboration, something that we need now more than ever. She's now more urgently focused on what healthcare leaders, governments, officials, and technology companies need to do to protect the physical, emotional, and psychological well-being of nurses, doctors, and other frontline healthcare workers. Hey, Bridget, how are you going? Hi, great, Pete. Thanks for having me. No worries. Hey, it's great to be able to connect on two sides of the world and talk about such an important issue around physical safety and emotional well-being of the healthcare workforce. So really looking forward to getting into the chat. Introduce things firstly. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Sure. It's nice to meet you from uh, San Francisco across the bay and to have this conversation with you. I'm a physician by training. Uh, I didn't take a very traditional path because in the last month of my training at the University of Minnesota, I read a paper that a gentleman wrote called How to Build the Most Healing Hospital in the World. And I had no clue who he was, but I dialed information, cold called him. He picked up the phone in Hawaii on the big island where he'd gone to retire. And I said, I've read this paper. I want to come work with you. And he laughed, said, it's only a dream. I've come here to retire, hang out in a hammock. (laughs) A couple of weeks later, he called me back and he said, let's let's go do this. His name is Earl Bakken. He passed away just a couple of years ago at the ripe age of 96. He invented the pacemaker, founded a little company called Medtronic. And I've been on a mission for 25 years uh, with him to humanize the way we deliver medical technology. And I feel uh, even greater urgency today, given the pandemic, that we need to go faster. And I hear him in my ear. He used to say to me, Bridget, we must go faster to humanize healthcare. He passed away before the pandemic. I think he would be calling me daily now if, if he were still here. Yeah, wow. Well, what a, I mean, an iconic person to be able to work with and such a strong vision to have. So that's certainly given you a good platform to build upon for the challenges that are ahead. So, wow, that's fascinating. Thinking then about what the frontline workers have faced this year with COVID in particular, we're talking a little bit around well-being and their capacity for caring for healthcare workers. What have you seen in relation to that over the past 12 months? Well, what I've witnessed is just heart-wrenching of my colleagues, my friends, my family who are doctors and nurses. And quite frankly, I've never been more fearful or afraid for my profession of medicine 
for the profession of nursing, and as important, invisible workers, those in housekeeping, those drawing blood, those delivering the food, because never in my life, you know, I used to leave in the morning to go to the hospital, and I'd turn around to my husband and say, please pray for me that I don't harm anyone today. I take the Hippocratic Oath, and it is about first do no harm. Never in my career did I think that I would go to work and have fear or risk of my own safety and my well-being or go home and infect my family. Mm. So what I witnessed is just abject fear in the eyes of my colleagues, fear that they will get infected, fear that they will infect their family, and fear and distrust that the system perhaps let them down because there wasn't adequate PPE, personal protective equipment at the get-go. I'm witnessing despair everywhere, and myself and my team at my company feel a huge sense of urgency to figure out how to protect the frontline workforce so that we don't lose our workforce. And what's interesting to me, why I was so interested in talking to you is this is a universal issue. This is not a US issue. This is not Australia. This has impacted the world. And together we have to figure out how to protect and lift up our healthcare workforce or it will be crippled and crumbled on the other side of this pandemic. There's a big responsibility on organizations to protect and connect that frontline workforce. Have you seen any organizations that are doing it particularly well in terms of that approach to protecting and connecting their nurses and doctors and other frontline healthcare workers? Well, the beautiful thing to see uh, with the pandemic, first, and by the way, with doctors and nurses and staff, what I also witnessed is this fierce loyalty and commitment to the profession. I mean, we told them to run into the fire and they get up every day and they go in again and again and again. So the engagement is high. They're just exhausted. And the great part is, at least in the U.S., is that even competitors are collaborating on what we need to do different or better to protect and lift people up. And we as a company in Focera are convening 10 of the top health systems in the country to come up with a plan and a game plan on how to protect the physical and the emotional well-being. And many of them have said, uh, one CEO said uh, to me, he said, Bridget, we have said our strategy here is that we believe the soul of the healthcare provider matters and we need to do things to address that. So many are putting infrastructure in place to not only protect the physical safety, Um, but also to protect the emotional and the psychological safety of healthcare workers. Things like homemade apps where you can press your level of distress from a scale of one to five. And if you're severely distressed, we can connect you immediately to behavioral health support or whatever support that you might need. I think second, people are putting infrastructure in place to protect and connect teams. As we had, like you, to stand up makeshift Um, facilities outside the walls of hospitals, the greatest risk of getting infected is if you have to don and doff your gloves, gown, and mask to try to reach your colleague. So many have figured out that hands-free and voice technology, when you're separated from your colleagues, enables you, like you would send a warrior to the battlefield, you wouldn't send them in there without the equipment to keep them safe or a walkie-talkie to connect with their comrades safely. So many are putting in infrastructure like the Alexa of healthcare, where in a hands-free voice-activated way, if they're in a COVID room, they can safely reach a colleague and say, help, I need this equipment or this assistance in this room. So rapid progress is being made, not fast enough. There's nothing good about a pandemic. But if there is, I would say a lot of the rules for rules sake and bureaucracy has gone away so that we can actually innovate faster. 
And it's interesting too, thinking about the infrastructure that you talked about and the innovating faster. When you talk about introducing technology into processes or into anything, by nature, it's not a, you're putting a machine into something and you're not putting a person in. And in healthcare, it's really important that it's humans looking after humans, right? So why is it important to implement these technology solutions that can still uphold an element of humanity around the way they do things? This is the personal mission of why I am on earth right now is to restore this human connection. There is a sacred bond between a doctor and a patient and a nurse and a patient that has too often, even pre-COVID, been stripped away. The electronic medical record did that. It forced me to type with my back to my patient, not look them in the eye and ask these important questions. So with then the pandemic on top of that, then we cover ourselves up and our patients can't even see us. So this need to have technology that enables voice, human to human voice, or through technology through you know an iPad or an app where you can actually send HIPAA secured messages, or we have a product called Ease where you can send a video of the patient is really critical. It's critical not only for the humanity of the patient, but also for the burden on the nursing staff who often are getting phone calls from family members 20 times a day and now are having to step aside and hold the phone up to the patient's ear because the second most demoralizing thing of the pandemic has been stripping loved ones away from each other. Having to drop your mom in the parking lot to go into an emergency room and you sit outside um, is unheard of. So, you know, we have technology that creates that human-to-human connection. I think often the majority, many technologies dehumanize the experience and what's really critical now is that health system leaders choose technology against a checklist of does this humanize and make the clinician's life easier, not add more burden to the doctor or the nurse? Does it just fit into their workflow? And, and that's critical. And that's what we do. I feel like it's important as well to kind of point out that implementing a piece of technology that enables more of that human connection is is certainly good, but I feel like there's a lot more that needs to be done at a systems level to be able to do that effectively. I mean, how do we go about rebuilding some of these systems that can make a future that's a bit more supportive and healing? That's a great question. I think I have a colleague, uh, a hospital, uh, what he did was he systematically with his team mapped the number of hassles versus joy in the doctor and nurse's day. And then he put a SWAT team on it so that they could take out the hassles and amplify the joy and scale rapidly. So it's really a human-centered rapid design approach, rapid prototyping, to just quickly get out the bureaucracy and the administrative hassles. I mean, there was a study done here in the U.S. that showed nurses spend only two hours of a 12-hour shift at the bedside of their patients. Because the rest of the time, they're hunters and gatherers, they're responding to alarms and alerts, things that are creating cognitive overload and burden versus actually being at the bedside. So we have to remove the preventable trauma that's in the system. And COVID has given us cover to do that because it won't be acceptable on the other side of this. We are not, we're going to have nurses and doctors and frontline staff retiring early or quitting and not coming back because of the brokenness of our systems issues. These aren't broken people. These are broken systems that are making their jobs and their lives harder. So there is a way to have a human-centered design team in every clinic and hospital and to rapidly change this under the cover of COVID so that we can all thrive and survive on the other side of this. 
Yeah. Building a bit more on that then, how do you think the pandemic is going to change what's integrated into healthcare infrastructure moving forward? And we're going to see our way out of this with COVID, but how's it going to change? Well, I think it's going to change in many ways. I think it will be, you know, around processes and technologies that think and act the way a doctor or a nurse works, that fits into their workflow system, that prevents them from having to be data entry clerks, that data and information can be sent to them in a HIPAA secured way when they need it, where they need it, and that there will be artificial intelligence so that they can call by by role, by name, by function what they need in a hands-free protected way because just like HIV changed the way we do things in a hospital, COVID will forever change how we protect ourselves and our patients. So there will be a need to put in a hands-free technology that's voice activated that instantly connects teams. I think a connected care team is the future of healthcare that can be done virtually outside the walls of hospital and even into the family's home or with home health aides or care going to the house. And you shouldn't have to look up in your Rolodex or your phone to figure out who's the cardiologist on call or the anesthesiologist. You ought to be able to just speak and say, get me the cardiologist on call um, and ease the burden of the bureaucratic things. And then feel and know that as a, as a provider, you're safe and you're connected to somebody who's got your back because you can reach your care team in an instant. Love it. Look, to start to round things out, Give us some hope. Give us the vision of what's to come. What have you seen that's given you hope that we're going to have an even stronger workforce on the other side of this pandemic? I think this is the noblest profession. I think being in nurses are rated year after year the most trusted profession in the world. Being a physician is the greatest gift I could have to be able to be of service to someone who is in need or vulnerable. And I have hope for my profession because I think every health leader, every leader of every country, our president, I'm sure your prime minister, Mr. Morrison, has made the well-being of your healthcare teams his top priority for your country. And my hope in our country is that we'll have a secretary of health and humanity that oversees the well-being of our care teams, our carers. And that I'm seeing the appointment of chief well-being officers. Uh, there was a ration appointment, which I served as one of the chief, the first chief experience officer for patients uh, in our country. Now there will be people that actually care, have authority and accountability, and that will actually measure the well-being of carers for patients. And that it will not be viewed as soft or fluff. And it's happening now. And the COVID was a wake-up call because globally there was an epidemic, a public health crisis of burnout in doctors and nurses before the pandemic. Then the pandemic hit and it amplified it. So what this has done and what gives me hope is that leaders care and will put the infrastructure, the processes and the technology in place that actually ease the burden of being a doctor or nurse so that my niece Molly, who's in her residency, or a neighbor whose daughter wants to be a nurse will actually want to sign on and enroll in the School of Nursing or in medical school. It's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because you think about the profession, how important it is that in every country you've got healthcare workers that are physically there to be able to care. You know, the te telemedicine, telehealth is always going to you know now play a part, and that's great. But there's also obviously always going to be a need for physical, you know, in-person healthcare. And anywhere in the world, if we're not uplifting and promoting the profession of healthcare, whether it's for nurses and doctors, frontline staff, and you know, admin as well. 
it's a problem that's going to happen in every country that there's just not going to be the workforce there that's really interested to come through. So I think now is definitely the time to, you know, demonstrate how we can care for our carers and provide that support that's so desperately needed, particularly after 12 months of what's been faced. It's so true. In, in another little known statistic of which I was ignorant until Shanna and my colleagues educated me is working in healthcare is one of the most dangerous professions before COVID. High incidence of workplace violence, especially emergency room doctors, uh, violent patients, families. And so it's gotten even worse here in the U.S. with COVID. And so having assurances in place on a national scale that says we will look out and protect you. On our hands-free voice-activated technology, we've actually placed a panic button and a real-time locator so that if you're alone caring for someone in a room, that this panic button can be hit and you know you have peace of mind entering the profession that the health system has your back and that you will be protected, that you don't have to enter this profession and give so much of yourself emotionally and physically with empathy caring for your patient at the risk of your own physical safety. And I think that's what the pandemic has heightened. And so I think globally, uh, it would be wonderful if we, if every country could come together and we're working on this, on a declaration of a new definition of safety, what it means to protect our workforce so that people will enter the profession knowing they will be safe physically and that we care about their emotional and psychological well-being as well. And lastly, Bridget, just to finish things off, what's going to be your focus for this year and beyond? I think we've covered it already, but just to clarify on some final points before we leave. I am on a mission to restore humanity to healthcare through improved communication. And I think I was never more distraught than seeing my colleagues unable to reach their colleagues and to see family members and loved ones stripped away. So there are so many things broken in healthcare. Uh, in my role as the chief medical officer of Vocera, I want to solve on humanizing healthcare through technology that enables people to communicate. And communication is at the core of safety and it's at the core of humanity. And so that's my personal and my professional mission. Love it. Thank you, Bridget. Look, I'm going to put some details of Vocera and those solutions that are available for healthcare workers that people can check out in the show notes of this episode and on our website. So check that out for more information in relation to Vocera and to connect with Dr. Duffy as well. Thank you so much for making the time and look forward to connecting with you later. Thank you so much, Pete. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. <laughs>